This is My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new installment of My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic interview series. Returning for a second engagement, our friend Mike Kingston, author and creator of the Headlocked comic book series. What's going on, Mike? How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Welcome back, man. I mean, the last time we had you on, it was actually for one of our earlier episodes of MTR Beyond the Mic, and Headlocked was really starting to hit its stride and we actually gave away a couple of signed copies that you had given us at comic-con and people were really digging it uh what's been going on i know that you got a kickstarter project in the works and a lot of people are really buzzing about it we shared it on the site uh let's bring everybody up to speed since the last time you were on um really uh the the kickstarter is kind of the thing um we are uh Probably, I think since the last time we have uh, we have a new interior artist, um, Michael Molapola, and he is a uh, actually a professional wrestler from New Zealand. Very and, cool. Uh, he's got some uh, he's got some art skills. Um, it's uh, it's a very different style than Randy, who did the original book. Um, I mean, Randy had a very kinetic style and it was gritty, and and it definitely worked for for what we were doing and. Michael's style is completely different. It's cleaner. It's a it's a little more cartoony, but it's still it's still just it just fits. Um and uh I mean I like the fact that uh you know that he's he's a worker, he's been a wrestler for eight years. So uh he's our new artist and uh we've actually picked up a couple of special guest contributors. Um you know, Jerry's Jerry Lawler's still doing our covers, but uh uh, Rob Van Dam, Shane Helms, and Christopher Daniels are uh, signed up to do some short stories for us. And uh, Beth Phoenix and Ken Anderson and uh, Simbody are going to do some art for us uh, for our upcoming project. So uh, I guess we've been a little busy. Well, I was I was pleasantly surprised with some of the exclusive use. You know, some of the exclusives you announced to people that backed the project. Uh, number one, I didn't even know Beth Phoenix was was th- at that level with regards to, you know, just an artistic background. I, you know, I, I know she was a comic fan, but I didn't know it was, it was that deep. So that was a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's one of the fun things about Headlocked. I mean, the whole concept of it, you know, is to explore the, the art of wrestling. And, uh, I think it's always neat that, you know, a lot of these guys have skills, you know, in the, in artistic fields and, I mean, I think on some level, you know, whether they're cognizant of it or not, I mean, everybody, you know, they have like the soul of an artist. I mean, you're telling stories in the ring. I mean, it's all, it's all out there. So I think that having, uh, you know, I think doing it this way really sort of just hammers our theme home a little bit more. Well, one of the things that we were talking about the last time when you were on was 
just getting the book out there and, and trying to get it to a more mainstream audience. And one of the things that I've always admired is your dedication to the convention circuit, because I think that's one of the best ways for creators to connect with, you know, potential fans. Since since the last time you were on, you've you've really ramped up the the convention circuit, and now with the Kickstarter project, pretty much um, running running on all cylinders. Do you feel that that mantra is probably just the best way to get your your work noticed? Do you feel it works better connecting with your fans directly versus? I mean, you know, yeah, having the backing of a publisher and the, and the big money is fantastic, but. In terms of just the intimacy of the project, do you feel better knowing that legitimate fans are investing legit money in your work versus, you know, the publisher taking a cut and then it trickling down to you? I mean, I think the conventions, I mean, I think at my level, I think it's just it's just so hard to get noticed. You know, it's so hard for people to pay attention. I mean, you post something on Twitter and it's gone in a, you know, it's gone in a minute. Yes. I mean... It's it's very hard to to get in front of people. It's very hard to get people's attention. I mean, you know, I mean, our, our attention spans get shorter and shorter by the day. Um, I mean, we're you know we're at six minute or six second videos now, so in 140 characters, and that's all we can take. So conventions are great for me. Just you know, I think a lot of times people have assumptions about wrestling comics or you know, what wrestling comics are based on what wrestling comics have been in the past. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I think it's really easy to, to just dismiss it. I mean, it's not a WWE licensed comic. We don't have a backing from a major publisher. So, you know, when I do conventions and I can connect with people, I can explain to them the project, you know, and whatever, I think when people can see the passion that I have for what we're doing, I think that that, I guess it makes people feel a little bit better about investing their money in what we're doing. And, uh, you know, they know that this isn't something that we're just going to give up on. You know, we're going to, we're going to get this thing off the ground, you know, and we're, we're going to, we got a lot of story to tell. So, and I don't want people to think that we're just, you know, another sort of fly by night indie or whatever. I mean, or I think we got a lot to offer. And I think people see that when you make a personal connection. So conventions are definitely, you know, that's definitely been the way to go for me. What have you been using in with regards to, to draw inspiration from, for, you know, these latest chapters of headlocked? Are you still, um, did you have all of the storylines already kind of mapped out or are you kind of working and bouncing ideas off of, of other workers um, are you are you looking at TV for inspiration? Where are you drawing it from to you know to work on on these latest chapters? Um, it's just it's it's all really me. Um, I don't really uh, kind of you know we have a couple of different themes that we try to hit. I mean we have the the wrestling is art, and then you know we're just trying to tell a cool story. Um, and then there's a lot of identity stuff. So. Um, you know, to, to, to do this next chapter, um, we, we sort of leap, leapt ahead a little bit in the, in the timeline from the end of the last book into this book. And, uh, we put them in a, in a wrestling organization that's, you know, it's called the last territory because it's, it's literally the last territory. I mean, it's built around a, a hyper regional star in Texas who, you know, it was a kid who was like the, a hero that won a high school football championship in this town and they haven't won it since. And he's always been the hero. And after that he became a wrestler. You know, I mean, you know, 
they're crazy about football in Texas, you know, high school football. So this guy's been like a hyper, you know, like he's a draw right there and nowhere else. But, you know, so they still draw and the, uh, you know, the big, uh, the big federation sends their people down there for developmental. So we're trying to mash up some, some old school territory stuff with some, uh, sort of modern corporate wrestling politics. So I just tried to create, you know, to do that, I just tried to create a bunch of different characters and they all have, they all have stories. And, you know, I just, I stuck them all in a pot and just kind of let it write itself. I mean, I have an idea where I want Mike Hartman to go, you know, cause that's really the story. And then I just started creating characters and, you know, building backstories around them. And then I, I really just kind of let it, 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 essentially it writes itself. So, you know, you let the characters tell the story. Well, that's one thing I, I, you know, from, from the earlier, from the earlier issues, what that I saw was, you know, you can see, you can see the inspiration of certain characters from, you know, real life wrestling personas. And it's nice because anybody can go and create a wrestling comic and say, Oh, you know, this guy's based on this guy. But what, what you've always done with the books is always, you throw little subtle, subtle acknowledgments you know mannerisms or certain character cues or certain little little quips that they do that are that can relate to the existing wrestling superstars so you know it's good for a reader that's just getting into it that that's kind of more well-versed in wrestling to just pick up the book and be like oh that's kind of cool you know acknowledging that you know the insider terms talking about territories and stuff like the, the the wrestling fan nowadays is so informed and so oversaturated with information that I that I like the the basics of the book, but also the fact that it can it can kind of grasp a seasoned wrestling fan. That's the it's been the hardest part. You know, there's so many different lines. I feel like I have to walk because I mean, it's important to me that the book's accessible to anybody. You know, so I try to structure it that even if you don't know anything other than just the basics of what wrestling is you know, that you can pick up the book and enjoy it. Um, so, I mean, I, I have to do that, but at the same time, make it, uh, you know, make it interesting enough for, you know, hardcore fans to, to enjoy. So that's a, it's a balancing act. And then, you know, you, you don't want to ever be disrespectful towards wrestling, but you know, some of the negative elements of the wrestling business need to, you know, need to drive the story a little bit at the beginning. So, you know, there's always a, a line of respect and a line of sort of accessibility. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different masters that I have to serve like all at once, but, uh, and it makes writing it kind of complicated, but so far I think we've been able to, uh, to tiptoe on the line. Do you, do you talk to, you know, uh, the, the, the wrestlers and say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking of maybe touching on this subject. What do you think? Do you kind of bounce off the ideas? Not not so much from a permission standpoint, but more so just just to get an idea that you're doing that particular aspect of a story justice. Uh, I mean, I haven't had to yet, but uh, that's not to say that I won't. I mean, I guess I've I've made enough, I guess, friends in the business. Um, but I think for the most part, right now, I just I don't want anybody to influence my story. I guess and right kind of a, I don't know, kind of a tyrant, I guess, in that way. So, and it's hard because you never know because I think people, you know, even people with the best intentions, you know, all of a sudden they try, well, maybe you should do this instead. And 
they don't necessarily know what I'm trying to do or where I'm going. And, you know, so I, uh, I don't get into it much. I actually, I mean, I have people look over my stuff. Actually, I have people that aren't in the wrestling business look over my stuff to make sure they can understand it. That's, uh, you know, some of my comic book friends, I have them, I have them look over my stuff because that's important to me that people that don't know about wrestling can understand it. Um, that, that's a good approach too, because it's true. Uh, on the other end of it, I just, uh, you know, I feel confident in what I write, but, uh, I mean, I suppose there'll probably come a day where I have to ask somebody for something, but a day has not come as of yet. Well, the, the toughest thing with, with, with wrestling also is that you have all these different cycles that you can, you can actually draw inspiration from like the territory days. I feel yielded the most diverse wrestlers of of you know of of the 80s and 90s because there was so many different guys that you didn't you had no idea about their gimmicks until they came up to to the main stage that it almost feels like the like the territories that are missing now would really add some personality to the business so i really like that you're you're drawing inspiration from that because i think that's one of the things like I knew I knew guys when I was watching wrestling when I was younger. I'd be like, "Yeah, man, you know Ric Flair," and they're like, "Who?" Because they'd never they'd never see him. But you know, on on certain channels, you know, you get the old uh, Deep South stuff, the, the the old Southern wrestling, and you get to see guys like him and Dusty Rhodes before they came up, and you know, you become well versed in that. And I think that's kind of missing from the modern product nowadays. Everybody has you know X tra- training facility and X place instead of just having territories where people can become local celebrities. That's why, you know, what you were saying about using Texas and making that, like, you know, the per- the, the, the character being a, a major focal point in that territory, then kind of leaving and not not being as over is, is really a, a, a nice throwback. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I do think that the ter- that we, we've lost something, I think, craft-wise fr- yep. from the territories, but I also think it, to a certain extent, I don't think it matters because I think no matter where anybody comes from, they're still all going to be sifted through that same lens of, you know, are they cosmetic enough for TV and all of that. And I think that's the thing that's really changed things more so than the death of the territories. I mean, you know, people can people can come up however they want, but, you know, like take El Generico, for example. I mean, you know, he had worked his gimmick fairly successfully for a long time and then you know, he comes up and he has to be something different, you know, completely different. And I think that's, uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know if, uh, if having more territories would make a difference because there's still really only one place to work. And those people seem to have a fairly, well, there's two places to work, but they both seem to have fairly similar ideas about what a wrestler looks like and what a wrestler should act like. And uh, I think the the standardization has been has been a little bit painful for the craft. Well, in bringing up, it's funny you bring, you bring up El Generico and and I was actually going to bring that into into a question book-wise and it's just, you know, the 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 masked wrestling persona is always viewed as the the flag bearer for for getting over with with kids per se, obviously because of the mask and all that stuff and seeing I'll be quite honest, I really thought that him coming up it, to the main stage as the mass character was a recipe for success just because kids kids love that you know sure and and then to see that kind of stripped away i was like all right 
So now he's kind of having to evolve using his wrestling, and and it's great. Don't get me wrong, but I always feel that the the loss of like mass personas, larger than life characters like that is is definitely something that's missing. I mean, it's one of the things I, you know one of those things I liked from you know just just seeing growing up that kids can get into that. Do you feel that kind of that's lost its way as well? I, I do. I mean, I do. I think that, I don't know. I mean, I definitely, I mean, obviously Mysterio did really well with a mask. And I mean, at one point, I mean, he was really, I'd say he was really only one of the legitimate actual draws in wrestling. I mean, yep. when he was, when he was headlining SmackDown at his peak, I mean, he was drawing the Latino audience, but you know, I mean, they also don't push any of them. I mean, so, I mean, they brought in Sin Cara and he wasn't, you know, it didn't take them long to, to bury him. And maybe he buried himself because he, you know, couldn't do what they thought he could do. But I, uh, I don't know. I have uh, a couple of masked wrestlers in headlocked. Yep. Um, I think uh, the concept of the mask is very, very interesting. Um, in the last territory, we actually have a character who's, uh, who's an old school an old school masked wrestler, so nobody knows his identity. You know, he just he shows up in the mask, he leaves in the mask, you know, kind of the way the guys used to do it back in the day. So and uh his identity is gonna be something, you know, something that we play around with for a little bit. Ah, so okay. You know it's funny, I was when when we were when I was prepping to for this interview, I lo- I had looked at um you know the the characters you had created and Country Bumpkin so reminds me of Bray Wyatt now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I look at the picture and I looked at the picture and I'm like, you know, it, it, you know, I get, I, I got that 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 brief moment where you know you blink and you're like, you could, you would swear that it's it's that type of a character and and it's funny just to see that because his his character is such a throwback to that, you know, the the gimmick, the, the legitimate gimmick era. Sure. And that's what those guys are all supposed to be. I mean, it's not, you know, obviously sometimes people just can't see beyond like, oh, that's, that guy's supposed to be this guy and that guy's supposed to be that guy. And it's not anything like that. It's nope. just a, it's more of a, a feel, you know, for, you know, how wrestling used to be, you know, straight characters and, and whatnot. And for those particular characters, we've got, I don't know. And uh, once we hit day 30 from the for our Kickstarter campaign, we're going to be dropping, I don't know, we got maybe 16 character designs, new characters, um, and a seven-page story from, uh, you know, the current creative team. So I think that's uh, – you're going to see a whole bunch of new uh, new faces. Um, how did you and, and, and Mike Molipola hook up? He actually came to the – came to my table at San Diego Comic-Con and uh, bought a copy of the book. And uh, he's like, oh, this is right up my alley because, you know, I'm a worker and I'm an artist. And I was like, all right, well, then we should probably talk because you're right in my wheelhouse. And, you know, I just kind of thought, you know, maybe I could use him for a six-page story or something to further my thing. And then I saw his work and I was like, whoa. And uh, and then we, we, uh, we got a new colorist um chuck obak and he's, he lives in the philippines and his stuff the two of them together they just they they make magic on the page it's it's something else and you know if if, if you haven't seen it yet it's 
it's definitely uh, it's definitely awesome, and I'm really really excited to to just to you know to get done with this phase of the project of the the sort of the selling and you know the money part of it, so I can get back to so I can get back to writing and creating some more stuff for these guys to draw because every time it's fantastic. Yeah, the panel you put on the on the Kickstarter page with with Obak and Molipola is is fantastic. It's very bright. It's very vibrant. I like the um the little the little Black Death panel in the corner. I was like, oh, it's it's Black Death, you know, because I, I I like I like definitely his art style because it it falls in line with just the evolution of of comic art as a whole. the The original art was great, you know, because I it was it was it fell in line with when the first book came out but i like that you're you're you've evolved it to where people can look at it and and they don't feel like oh you know it's an old like they can say it's an old looking book you know what i mean i like sure sure no i definitely think it it definitely doesn't feel like an indie book no not at all i mean I, i i like that i felt if you know i said to myself on some high gloss paper that panel has to look insane and that was my my thinking was you know like once he came aboard and you know and the, the team got together, you know, and I, I thought, I was like, man, you know, I, I've, we should really take a big swing at this thing. And uh, and that's what we're trying to do, you know. I mean, for the last couple of years, we've just been sort of playing uh, playing patty cake with comic book publishers and stuff, um, you know, trying to get a better distribution deal for ourselves and better retail penetration. And, you know, I've heard it all, man. I've heard, you know, wrestling fans don't read and – wrestling comics don't sell and and it's hard and I can understand why people have the opinion that wrestling comics don't sell if you don't understand wrestling or the fan base you know you just see well WWF comics don't sell so why would your independent comics don't sell but you know the WWF comics weren't very good and that's the the prevailing problem with those you know with licensed books is that they're sort of given to the lowest bidder and then someone's assigned to write those books and you know, if they don't like wrestling, they're probably not happy about it. And, uh, you know, it's hard, I think, sometimes for people to not put a condescending tone into into wrestling projects. I mean, you, know, you saw Ready to Rumble. I mean, the main characters were idiot wrestling fans. I mean, the same thing with the, the mullets, that show that they tried to put on after SmackDown when it was on UPN. Like, you know, if you don't, if you don't love wrestling, you know, you, you're not going to be able to get that tone out of your books and people can feel that. I mean, I think people can feel like when they're being made fun of or when something that they love is being made fun of. And I think that's what's hurt the sales. So, you know, we feel like we're, we're taking the project to the people with Kickstarter and, you know, everybody that's associated with a book is passionate about wrestling and passionate about comics and passionate about art. And, you know, that, that'll come across, comes across in the page, you know, and I think everybody sees that when they look at our books and the stuff that we've done so far. And I think that's why it's different than WWE heroes or, you know, WCW comics or the warrior comics or whatever. I think, you know, we're not trying to sell action figures and we're not trying to get across anybody's personal agenda or philosophies. You know, we're just trying to tell an entertaining story about something that we all love. Well, that's, that's one thing that, that I've always felt was was the big sticking point with with going the licensed route with with those properties like with WWE and stuff. And I know I've heard rumblings that there's something that that 
Foley's going to be involved in that's going to tie into like existing storylines. I think that the problem is that when you use licensed stuff, like unless it's something completely out of this world, you're basically rehashing those existing characters. Like independent characters allow you a level of creativity that's unseen when you're pigeonholed into into the you know the the, the corporate uh, wheelhouse, so to speak. Like like think about it. If you're doing a WWE comic book, you got to tell you know stories about the Undertaker and Kane and and John Cena, and you got to try and make them bigger than what people see on TV. On the independent side, using your own characters, it gives you a little bit more leeway. Like, like you know, you can make a guy who is is horribly scarred, and that's why he legitimately wears a mask, and you can always draw a panel where you can see a portion of his face, and people are like, oh, man, that guy has to look gruesome. And it kind of creates this level of, of wonder, of thinking that just main, like licensed stuff doesn't do. Right, and I think you also have to, you know... I mean, if I'm writing a WWE comic book, I mean, you can't really do anything horrible. Right. I mean, I mean, those are people. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, do something horrible to, you know, to The Undertaker or whatever. I mean, that's a that's a property. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, he's not even I mean, he's not even I mean, he is a person, obviously, and you're writing something horrible about a, a, a human being. But he's also I mean, that character is a property and you. You know, just like, you know, traditional Spider-Man, Batman, Superman or whatever. You're not killing these people off, you know, because, you know, you can't do anything really horrible, horrible to them because, you know, they're the, the money makers. So I think that limits you, you know, the sort of choices you can make dramatic, you know, in terms of creating drama and, you know, anything else. Well, that's so. what. That's one thing that you bring up that's that's kind of evolved over the years. And I'm sure you, you you'll agree with this, that the. You remember late eighties, early nineties. It's like, oh, you know, you can't, you can't say shit in a comic book, or you can't show blood, or you know, stuff like that. Like it was still very safe. And then as as people's, you know, reservations evolved, and the way people viewed books evolved, so did the 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 subject matter to the point now where you can kind of you can you can at least use a bit more realism with regards to, you know, actions having repercussions. Like if a guy dies in a book, it's like, all right, he, he died. You know, like you can embrace those topics without somebody, you know, coming out from under a white hat. Like, oh, my God, you know, you really shouldn't use that. Yeah, but then they always, I mean, if it's, uh, unless it's a creator-owned book, they always end up coming back anyway, so. Yeah, nobody stays dead except Uncle Super- Ben. <laughs> Superhero comics are like house shows now, you know. Like, <laughs> they really are. I mean, you know that. Whatever this guy does isn't going to matter in the grand scheme of things because the next guy is going to come in and change everything. You know, it's like when you try to work a guy in an undefeated gimmick and then he loses at a house show and everybody knows he lost to the house show and then you still try to push him as undefeated on TV. I mean, that's that it tells the people that saw that at the house show that what they saw didn't matter. So why are they going to go the next time? Yeah, I think I think it's it's one of those things where you know with comics the 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 death of a character has been so abused to where. That's why the, the the running gag is everybody, nobody stays dead except Uncle Ben. And it's like, I'm waiting. I'm chomping at the bit for somebody to be like, you know, Uncle Ben, he didn't really die. It was a life model decoy. You know, something something half-assed that people are just going to be so pissed off about. I guarantee you that that, you know, the Uncle Ben coming back has probably been pitched about 5,000 times. I'm sure everybody... <laughs> 
has has a story, you know. I mean, I, I mean, it used to be Uncle Ben and Bucky, and uh, you know, luckily they, I mean, they did bring Bucky back, but they made it cool. So yeah, I I, I actually stomached Bucky coming back because when when I read you know his comics as Bucky, I was like, ugh, like I'm glad he's, I'm glad they killed him off, and then when they brought him back, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, but then. Like you said, Winter Soldier grew on me. I was like, wow, that's pretty badass. Yeah, and I think that's and I think that's the thing though. I think, you know, if you can bring somebody back in a good story, you know, it's okay, but I think there comes a point where you know, they just bring people back to, you know, because this writer wants to use them. And I think that's I think it's irresponsible and you know, and people try to tell, you know, tell people not to worry about continuity and stuff, but it does. I mean, you've invested you've invested your time and stuff into that, into the story. And I think for somebody else to come along and tell you that that doesn't matter, I think that's bad. That's bad. And I know it's, it's complicated because there's so much continuity to follow, but you know, the characters on some level have to evolve. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, if they don't evolve, then what are you doing? Uh, I, I, I agree with you 110%. I wanted to, switch gears a bit and, and talk about um Jill Thompson's involvement uh because you know I I like I like how you how you said hey you know see the CM Punk shirt uh she did that because you know it's a, it, it it's a nice way to kind of tie it together and actually that's that, that's one of the that's one of the shirts that was on my radar just because it was something so out of the ordinary mm. versus versus the usual caricatures how did you how do you how did you and and Jill get together and hot and you know what made her want to get involved with this project uh she's been a fan of the book i mean everybody that everybody that i've met you know that's that's associated with with this book i've met you know jerry and i contacted through um you know at the, sort of at the beginning not the very beginning but you know and then he came on but everybody else i've met at conventions most of the time they've been there you know as a fan i mean obviously joe was there in a professional capacity but, you know, they've all, you know, they all like the book and they all like what I'm doing and they're all trying to help me get a little notoriety. Um, I think that, you know, as wrestlers who like comics and, you know, they understand what I'm trying to do. And I think that, you know, we all think the book deserves a better audience, you know, a bigger audience, not a better audience, you know, because the audience we have is good. We just like a few more people. No, I, um, I understand. But, yeah, I mean, so – I mean, she was a fan of the book and, you know, when the opportunity came up to, to try this thing, you know, I wanted to have, I mean, I've got wrestlers who are passionate about comics and I want comic book people who are passionate about wrestling. So, you know, some of the people that are working on the short stories. So, you know, uh, Shane Helms is going to write a short story and, and Mike Borkowski is doing the art for it. And Mike actually designed Rosie's gear back in the day, but, uh, He's a storyboard artist for Scooby-Doo. He does some of the Marvel, um, the Iron Man uh, children's books for Marvel. He's got a really cool sort of cartoony style, but he's it's he's an amazing artist. Um, his art is essentially like, he's essentially like the face of, the artistic face of like Syracuse Athletics. Oh, it's, nice. It's amazing. Um, and then uh, Mark Poulton is doing uh, the, the art for Christopher Daniels' story, and he's a... Uh, He's actually a writer, but he's also got some some pretty solid art skills. Um, he built some cool stand ups for me that I'm going to have on my table this uh, this week of some of the some of the headlock characters. Nice. Um, 
And uh, but he's uh, he's going to be doing the art for that, and he loves wrestling. You know, he's always uh, he's always doing you know like little warm up sketches of wrestlers, and uh, you know he's done a lot of signings and arts, you know, comic book stores with wrestlers and stuff. So he's doing that, and uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think Josh Adams is going to be doing Rob Van Dam's story if he has uh, the availability and. Uh, Josh has done storyboard work for WWE. He worked on Rob's comic book a little bit. Um, you know, he's a huge wrestling fan too. And that's, you know, it's the same with Jill. Jill's always been a huge wrestling fan. So, you know, these are the people that I want on my project. You know, I don't want, you know, I don't want people who don't care because then you end up like WWE heroes when you can't tell Matt Hardy and Batista to apart on the same page. <laughs> um, you know, and I've had, bad, I've had wrestlers beg me to put them in this book. I mean, <laughs> seriously, like people, I mean, you'd be surprised. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know, you know, can you name me 12 Avengers? Maybe we'll talk. I mean, I just, like I said, I'm not here to put anybody over, you know, I just want to do a story and, you know, I just, I don't, I just want people who, who, who want to be here because they want to be here and not, you know, for some sort of ulterior motive. No, absolutely. I um, I wanted to ask you about the headlock shirts that you had, man. Those shirts were badass, and um, I went on the site because I had wanted a link to them when we published the the Kickstarter article, and I couldn't find them. What's what's the deal with the shirts? Um, well, we just we put them out. I sell them to conventions. Um, ah, okay. We put them out. We put out a, a small small pre sale for like Facebook fans, and Twitter fans, and stuff. But uh, now it's part of the Kickstarter. Um, we have a package for $25. You can get the shirt or if you pledge for, uh, anything, uh, above the $25 level, you can, you can add $20 and get the shirt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that shirt, how it came out. It's a fantastic shirt. Um, yeah. I liked it, man. It was, it was, it was such a, a throwback. It had that vibe of like fantastic four number one. Well, that's, we used the, we yeah. used a, a font that was very reminiscent of the fantastic four, uh-huh. but we were going for, you know, a 60s style comic book, which I think is a nice contrast because, I mean, the book's more like a cable drama and, you know, our covers are all black and, you know, moody and whatever. And I thought it would be fun to do a, you know, just a, like a 60s style comic cover. And people, people have loved it. I mean, we've sold those, they've sold tremendous at conventions and stuff. And, uh, you know, but uh, right now, yeah, it's, it's available. You know, if you see me at a convention, you can get them or, uh, yeah, I'm putting my pledge through to get the shirt. <laughs> get as part of a get as part of a Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm putting I'm putting my pledge through to get the shirt because that shirt <laughs> was fucking awesome. Um, speaking of which, I want to get into the meat and potatoes of the of the Kickstarter a little bit just so people can can get into it. So if if you're pledging five bucks or um, well, you know, obviously the the minimum is a dollar, but really. Don't be cheap bastards. Definitely do more than a dollar. At um at five bucks, you guys are are giving the um the preview book, a digital a digital preview right. book. The rewards from twenty down are all digital. Um, Which at is five, great. it's a preview book. At ten, it's uh, our first trade. Fifteen is the new trade that we're building, and uh, twenty is uh, everything that we've done. Like three hundred pages of digital content. Um, and then at 25, we get into physical rewards. The, the book itself is at 25. And, uh, 
you know, the, the, the wrestling content is all the wrestler generated content is all Kickstarter exclusive as sort of a reward for the fans. Cause you know, obviously we need people's support right now. And, uh, so we want to give people something that's, you know, that's really, really memorable. You know, I don't want you to, I don't want people to give me money for a book that they can just go to the store and buy, you know, Absolutely. six months, six months from now. So, um, if you, you know, for the book that you get on Kickstarter, it's got stories by, you know, Rob and Shane and, uh, Chris Daniels and the art by Ken and Beth and sin. And none of that is going to be available anywhere, but through Kickstarter, um, you know, cause like I said, this is a sort of a critical time in our development. You know, this is probably the most important thing we're ever going to do, you know, in terms of get, making headlock, you know, getting headlock to the next level. And we need, you know, we need everybody's support. But, you know, as a reward for that, we're going to give you something that's pretty fucking cool. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, when, you know, when I, I thumbed through it and I wanted to ask you about the shirts because I said, all right. Just to make sure, I can't get the shirt anywhere else except through the Kickstarter. Now that I know that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put through to get the the shirt. I did I did want to say though that I like the the real, and it's something you've always done, but just embracing the digital format because we're all and, and let's not kid ourselves, we're all iPad, iPod, you know, cell phone readers. I know I know enough people read stuff on their phones and their iPods, you know, when they're in the bathroom, when they're on the train, when they're on the bus. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love physical comics, but trying to keep a mint and bagging and boarding. I really have always been a fan of you guys always utilizing that digital medium. Well, I think you gotta, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta embrace the future, but, uh, I think, uh, you know, I think for this type of book, though, I think one of the important things is, you know, I think this, you know, if you're going to get a physical book, I think this is the book to get a physical book on. Yep. It's going to be, trade. it's going to be rare. You know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, we're printing to order. We're not going to print, you know, we're not going to say, you know, a hundred people, you know, get a copy of the book and then we're going to print a thousand. I mean, nope. I have a an, a an on-demand printer and we are printing to order. I mean, there might be, you know, we have retailer options and a couple of retailers might get, you know, 10 copies or whatever, but it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a book that's going to be in wide circulation. And I think with all the content, you know, everybody, I mean, other than Jerry, I mean, you're talking about everybody's first sort of published comic book work. I mean, I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to have some good aftermarket value too. No, I, you know, the trade is definitely the best, va- you know, one of the best values because, and, and a lot of people probably don't realize this, a lot of, a lot of these individuals are, you know, they work shows for, for different reasons and nothing, nothing would be better than giving yourself a homework assignment of trying to get everybody that was involved in the book to sign the book, you know? Yeah, no, I, uh, I think that's, I think that would be a fun thing and I think it would, uh, I think it would, uh, I don't know, you know, we're just, I mean, the only offers we have for, for signatures is, uh, you know, is me and Jerry. Um, we do have a poster that's going to be signed by, uh, Ken and Chris and Rob and Shane. Um, but, uh, I think, and Jerry, but, uh, I think, yeah, tracking people down, you know, I mean, everybody likes the, uh, the WWE encyclopedia, 
I think I think that thing was probably the greatest thing they ever they ever uh, they ever made. It, it made so many people so much money. Yep, I bought I bought that for a buddy of mine as a gift, and he lost his mind because he's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm right, like yeah. I mean, I think all these wrestlers have made. You know what I mean? Like, because they do signings, and then people come and want to get it signed. You know, and maybe maybe they didn't want this guy's signature, but now you know you're a little OCD about getting everybody in the book. So. You know, maybe you plunk down ten bucks for this guy's autograph, or maybe you wouldn't have before. That's uh, that's uh, that's probably a good thing for some of the guys who aren't, uh, you know, weren't A-listers. Nah, it, it's that you know what what you've been doing, Mike, and you know we've always been we've always been in touch, even even after the first interview. It's it, it's something where some people they they really say, oh yeah, I'm gonna put out this book, and then they kind of kind of flip-flop on it but you went full steam even initially and you just you you've never quit with it and to see it at this level for me and you know knowing each other for for so long it just it makes me very happy it makes me happy too i mean i love doing it and i mean you know the money that we're trying to raise here is i should feel like i should tell people because it is a lot of money but it's it's only going to pay the full-time artists on the book um, the printing and shipping costs. And even then it's probably, probably going to have to, some of it's still going to probably come out of my pocket. Like I'm not going to make a dime off of this. And honestly, I mean, no matter how big it gets, I'm probably never going to make a dime off of it. And I'm okay with that. You know, like I love doing this. It's something that I love and I love, you know, I just want to tell this story as long as I can, you know, like, I feel like I, there's times I could probably charge more for certain things, but I try not to make things too expensive for people you know, we try to run real, real, real tight margins. Like I'm not, like I said, this isn't something that I plan on retiring off of, but I mean, if I could do it till I retire, I'd be happy as hell. You know, well, I mean, what? comics have, have brought me a lot of crazy experiences and <laughs> it's, it's sure. made me a lot of really cool friends. And, you know, I've had, um, I don't know, I've had experiences that I never would have had or that I have no business having just being some, you know, some schlub from upstate New York with an indie wrestling book. But, uh, you know, I've been I've been very blessed and I just want to I just want to keep telling the story. And I think it's a good story. And I think people, if they give it a chance, I think they'll like it. Well, one of the things I want to make sure that all our listeners know is that you can you can back the project and funding will not be taken until the project is fully funded because people never understand that with Kickstarter. And it's no, it is it is a frustration. People like, oh, I got to wait for my paycheck. But. You're gonna get. You're either gonna get charged on September 13th when the when the thing ends, or you're not gonna get charged at all. Right. And that's it. And I feel like people should know that. Uh, you know, I know sometimes it's probably not your biggest priority in the day, but if you're thinking about pledging, pledge as soon as you can because, you know, the more money we make, the better placement we get on the Kickstarter website, which puts us in front of more people. You know, it really benefits for us. And like I said, you're not going to, you're going to pay on the same day one way or the other. So, you know, it's not going to affect you one, one bit, but it will help us out a lot. So, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't take forever. All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, um, I'm actually finalizing my pledge now because I want the damn shirt <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mark for that stuff, dude. Like all, like all that stuff. And um, that's it. There's anything else you want to add? Um, if anybody wants, uh, anybody's got any questions or comments or whatever, everything, we're on pretty much every form of social media. 
And it's all headlocked comic. It's my Facebook. It's my Twitter. It's our Instagram. Uh, the only one that's different is Tumblr is headlocked comic book because apparently somebody had headlocked comic, which is weird. Yeah. Um, and it's my gamer tag on Xbox. If you want to talk to me on Xbox Live, but I don't wear a mic a lot because really, you just can't. Are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel I feel your pain, dude. I don't I don't do it either. So but there- uh, you know, but I'm always I'm always around. I mean, anything you see that's headlocked comic is you know run by me. So um, I'm free to answer any questions or any comments or whatever. Um, I probably won't draw you into the book, so I can save you that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know let's uh let's 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 uh talk i mean yeah definitely i'll make sure to to include all the social media links there and um as always mike thank you for taking us beyond the mic thanks for having me you've just heard mtr beyond the mic with mike kingston to find out more about the headlocked kickstarter make sure to check the links in the interview notes you can also follow mike on twitter at headlocked comic as for us you can listen to my take radio live every thursday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific by heading over to mtrlive.com episodes are also simulcast on blog talk radio mixler and the gfq network if you want to check out archived episodes of the show make sure to look for my take radio on itunes tune in radio and Stitcher. You can always find My Take Radio on Twitter at My Take Radio. Become a fan on Facebook and add us to your circle on Google+. Thanks for listening.